We light the light and we fill the font as signs of God's presence and our belonging to God. We light the Christ candle as a symbol of God's presence in this place, that there is a light that no darkness can ever overcome. And we fill the font as a baptized and baptizing church, that through the waters of baptism, we are marked as Christ's forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, and it's that love that drives us in following Jesus Christ in the world. With it in mind that nothing can separate us from the love of God, I'll invite you to please stand for the prayer of confession. And confession, of course, isn't about making ourselves feel bad or about groveling before God. Maybe sometimes we do need to grovel before God. But it's primarily being honest about ourselves, our lives, being honest about the world that we live in, and being honest before each other, knowing that before God all things are known, and that God meets our uh, repentance with forgiveness, that God is already at work. So let's turn towards the cross and pray. Lord, in the beginning, your breath hovered over the deep and you brought life. You brought the universe into being and you separated the waters, making the space for stable life. And yet, O oh Lord, we find ourselves we find ourselves looking for land. We find ourselves looking for a safe place to be and stay, but preferring to wade in the deep waters, the deep trouble. Gracious God, rather than reaching out to those who are in need, we prefer to turn in on ourselves. And sometimes when we reach out, we do it to justify ourselves, to you, to ourselves, and to others. We pray, O oh Lord, like the waters of baptism, that you fill us with your mercy and your forgiveness. We offer up those things to you that we have done and left undone in the silence of our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit, O Lord, and heal our hearts. Heal us from the inside out and give us hands to be your people in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the good news of the gospel is that God is the fount of every blessing. That the mercy is already flowing before we even know the stream is there. In Christ, there is a new creation. All the past is done and gone. You are forgiven, freed, made new. Dare to believe in this great good news. Amen.
going to invite you to be seated, except for the children. I'm going to invite you to come up here. And today, for children's time, I need a circle so that everyone can see what I'm about to do. So if we can make a circle, now look it, you're putting yourself in the middle of the circle. Let's make a nice big circle. Yep, there we go. We're doing well. Yep, hello. Hi, everyone. Ooh, there's more coming. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Now, when Jesus was alive and walking around, he taught people and he taught people using stories. Does anyone know what those stories are called? That's one word for it, yeah, but there's another word I'm looking for, and it starts with a P. It's in the Bible, yep. Hmm, it's a big word. Do any of the grown-ups know the word I'm looking for? Parable, that's right. Ah, the grown-ups are awake this morning. And so uh, Jesus taught these stories, and there was one day where he was teaching using a story. And so I need everyone to stay where they are, but still look. But I just need no fingers and no coming together, okay? So I need a big space in the middle here. Are you ready? How about now? You ready? Okay. Hmm, it's a roasting pan, yes. Now, what's that? Oh, this is sand and this is a rock. Now, I'll move out of the way, so you, but stay where you are. I got more things coming, okay? These are houses. Now, Jesus said, to his disciples, anyone, <laughs> Jesus said, I'm going to teach you a story using Lego. No, that was me. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, anyone who hears the stories, the parables that I teach, and puts them to good use in their life, changes their actions because of the stories I tell, is like the person who builds their house on solid rock. And you probably know this one. And, hold on, hold on. And anyone who hears my teachings but doesn't bother to do anything about it is like the person who builds their house on sand. Now, in life, no matter what, there's gonna be ups and downs, and sometimes we call the downs the storms of life. So coming to church and praying all the time doesn't guarantee that nothing bad happens, but what it does what he taught in the story is that when the storm comes and the waters of life come, the house that is built on rock is steady and stable, but the house that is built on sand, oh no, look at the foundation of the house is washing away and the house is underwater. And so using that story, Jesus said, Build your house on me. Build your life on the teachings that I teach, and it will be solid like a rock. Uh huh.
Okay, everybody standing up. And all the kids who know the actions already, you can help the other kids and also the congregation. And those big kids up there are going to do the actions too. Right, kids? <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> Could we have a nice big loud note there, Donna? Okay. Ready? Everybody ready? Okay. Like a rock. Like a rock. Like a rock. God is under our feet. do the actions already and we'll do it again next week yeah come along with me
prayer for the day. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, we gather in the name of Jesus to hear your holy word and to be immersed in your spirit. Speak to us with grace and truth and pour out your love upon us so that this temple may resound with joyful shouts of glory through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading today is from the Good News According to Matthew, chapter 7, beginning at verse 21. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength, our solid rock, our redeemer. Amen. Today's scripture passage from the Good News According to Matthew comes at the tail end of a long sermon by Jesus, the longest sermon by Jesus. I should make my sermons longer, which is what we should be getting out of this, right? To be like Jesus, I need to have longer sermons, three chapters long. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and I won't go too in-depth into it, but it's like Jesus' greatest hits album of teachings. The Sermon on the Mount contains Jesus' most popular and influential teachings. This is the Jesus that everybody knows and loves. Love your enemies, forgive not once but seven times 70 times, you can't serve God and money, turn the other cheek, it's all there. The greatest hits, Jesus' greatest hits of his teachings. This is often thought of as the essence of Christianity, the Jesus we all know and love. This is the Jesus that captivates us. And yet, no doubt today's passage has some of us scratching our heads, pointing out that here 
Jesus sounds decidedly un-Jesus-like. Jesus is known as being Mr. Non-Judgment. In fact, earlier in this chapter, Jesus even says the words, Judge not, lest ye be judged. So it's surprising that Jesus begins this chapter with harsh words of judgment, or this passage, sorry. Not everyone, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, he says, I never knew you. Go away from me. And just to rub it in, you evil doers. Here Jesus paints a picture for us of the end of time. When all history is laid out in a way that will make complete sense. When our lives can be judged from the vantage point of eternity rather than our own limited perspective. Some folks spoke pious words, Jesus said. Lord, Lord, they laid out, they laid on the Jesus real thick. They also prophesied, they cast out demons, performed powerful signs for people. These are like spiritual superstars. Everyone could see what God was up to with them. And yet at the entrance to God's kingdom, where heaven and earth come together, finally Jesus turns them away. Like, do I know you? And he slams the gate shut. That sounds pretty harsh, to be honest. Not very Jesus-sounding. But in the previous chapter, Jesus warned his followers against false prophets, against people who come in Jesus' name and teach in Jesus' name, but end up being, quote, wolves in sheep's clothing. On the outside, these folks may look good, but their appearance hides their true intentions, which are often dangerous. It's hard to see past the appearance because they're all about appearances. But Jesus says you can judge them the same way you judge a fruit tree. You, can tell just, you can't tell just by looking, but good trees produce good fruit, and bad trees produce bad fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Jesus says. So basically, the people Jesus slams the door on, pretends he doesn't know, which is pretty harsh, like, whoa, are folks whose faith is all surface. What seems to bug Jesus here, what seems to morph non-judgmental, mercy-extending, forgiveness, preaching Jesus into door-slamming, pretend he doesn't even know you, Jesus, is when we profess with our mouths our undying love for him, showcasing our deep spiritual knowledge and maturity, do great acts of religious devotion, stay after day after day, but remain fundamentally unchanged on the inside. I imagine this is the kind of thing that made Gandhi once remark, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians for they are so unlike your Christ.
Our faith can be a tool to justify us to others and to ourselves, even to God. And when we think we've earned our box seats in the new Jerusalem, that we're in with God, when we get there, Jesus closes off the velvet rope. He can't even find our names on the guest list. Because there's one thing Jesus can't seem to stand is a faith that's all for show. Like I said, it's harsh, right? But it might also make some of us feel pretty good too, though. I mean, it makes me feel good anyway. All those pious, religious hypocrites finally getting their due. Yeah! Tell them, Jesus, just desserts and all that. Feels good. Feels good until you read the next part. Everyone then, Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, floods came, washed out the house, or didn't wash out the house. The house didn't fail because it was founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, floods came, winds blew, and that was that. Jesus sets up two types of people. I mean, all people are kind of a mix of these in some way. But both groups hear his words. But the first are people who hear his words, then do what he says. And the second are people who hear his words, then don't actually do them. Hearing and doings like building your house on a strong foundation that'll hold up to the worst, wet, worst mother nature can throw at you. But if you hear and fail to actually respond, you're like the guy who built his house on sand. Everything might seem fine and dandy until the inevitable storm hits. The sand will wash you away, leaving you with no option other than to be washed away with it. First, Jesus called out bad trees producing bad fruit. And now he's calling out trees that produce no fruit at all. First, Jesus closed the kingdom's door on a superficial faith, a faith that's all about appearance, all about self-justification without deep transformation. But this parable shows us something equally as dangerous, especially in churches like ours, especially in churches like the United Church. We react, react so strongly against for-show faith or a faith that's so overbearing, judgmental, or guilt-inducing it's the reason why many of us are here and not at churches otherwhere, other, elsewhere. We prefer, and rightly so, I think, the God who doesn't measure us by our outward acts, but meets us with love first and foremost. But the danger we face is that God for us can be like a doting grandparent. An indulgent grandparent. One who loves us but demands nothing of us or just sends us home to our parents to have them deal with them. Wanting to indulge us rather than help us to change for the better or guide us on the path to spiritual maturity. For Jesus, the danger here is not only a faith that's superficial, all deeds, 
It's also a faith that's inconsequential, that bears no fruit. First, Jesus took our foreshow religiosity to task, but then he moves from spiritual show-it-alls to divine do-nothings. Despite the fact that these two ways are drastically different, they're same in one important way. They're both utterly useless, Jesus says, in following him. For us, it's usually one or the other. We'll either take faith all about doing without inner transformation, or we'll make it all about inner transformation without it actually changing what we do and how we live life. For us, it's either or. We favor one to the exclusion of the other and seem to miss the point entirely. We only have half of the picture. But for Jesus, of course, it's different. Jesus is the whole picture. Jesus is a full human being. He represents our full humanity, what it means to be human. When Jesus finishes his greatest hit sermon, the people are blown away. The crowds are astounded at its teaching, it says, and they're astounded not just because he's handsome, a good speaker, or he knows like the TED Talk format inside and out. The crowd's blown away, it says, for he taught them as one having authority and not with their scribes, not as their scribes as one having authority, not as their scribes, not like the teachers that everybody knows. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in his message translation. He puts it like this. I love it. When Jesus concluded his address, it says, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast with their religion teachers. This was the best teaching that they'd ever heard. He was living everything he was saying. This, this point is the key. See, with Jesus, one of the reasons why he was and still is so compelling and why he's unlike so many religion teachers is that for him, there's no difference between his inner spiritual self and his outer actions. God's will and his actions are perfectly aligned. They are in tune. But the thing is, we don't just believe it was a matter of Jesus just working really hard at it, trying more, though trying's not a bad thing. This perfect alignment is the result of God touching down in Jesus. And that his life was and is a perfect conduit for God's mercy and grace. From here through here. Flows in and out. So where we're either or people, one or the other, Jesus' words, his thoughts, his inner life and actions are intertwined. One single movement, up here, down, through here. God's grace flows in and flows to the world. With Jesus, it's not either or. With Jesus, it's both and. 
And Jesus shows us what a full human life looks like. So here's the challenge. Now that I've beat us all on the brow enough, here's the challenge. Each of us is a mixture of both in some way or the other, but we're usually leaned towards one way. For those of us who are busy people, the challenge, or people who find ourselves acting, serving, doing, but have little time for that inner life, Jesus is calling us out of our comfort zones to go deeper, to think about attending worship more regularly with more intentionality. Think Bible study. Think small group ministry, adult formation, helping teach children's church, signing up for Alpha next time around. Our challenge is to open ourselves to God's mercy and grace and let us change us from the inside out. We've got that flow out down pat, but we're not always tapped in the source that it's flowing from. And for those of us who find ourselves hearing, most often basking in the grace of God's love and mercy, but find ourselves coming up short in the doing department, our challenge is to find the outlet for the grace we've been gifted with. We know all about the source, but the source needs an outlet. Start small. Greeting on Sundays, helping with coffee, or finding another church ministry that'll help make our community of faith better. First step, work your way up. Try giving some of your money away. You can give it here or elsewhere, but try giving your, some of your money away. Just give it away. Serve at the soup kitchen. Drop in her pantry. Find a way to connect with people face-to-face -face inside the church or outside because, as the pastor Billy Sim likes to say, grace comes to us on its way to somebody else. Our challenge is to receive God's love and let it flow through us and into the street. With Jesus, it's both and. Hearing and doing, receiving and giving. This is the pattern he sets for the Christian life, the whole human life. Without both, we can never experience the true joy of full life, eternal life, here and now. But whether you find yourself a hearer first or a doer first, Know that it always begins with God. Grace comes, then gratitude. As Anne Lamott likes to say, God comes to us where we are, but God will never leave us there. Like the parable says, Christ is the rock in the storm, the one who is always there and already there for us to stand on, giving us the sure footing to build a full life onto.
I pray we are given the courage to stand tall, the wisdom to ask that we may receive, and when we receive, the willingness to give it all away. And for this, thanks be to God. Amen.